Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to the stubborn light of things. That very mechanical dink, dink, dink you can hear is the chiff-chaff. And the reason the chiff-chaff is important is because it's the first of our summer migrants that we hear each year. It's not always the first to arrive, but it is the first one that we hear sing. Edward Lord Grey of Falodden who wrote a book in 1927 called The Charm of Birds, which was very famous at the time, said, Alone of all the warblers, the chiff-chaff has given us the right to expect him in March. He is the forerunner of the rush of songbirds that is on its way to us and will arrive in April, and thereafter enrich our woods, meadows and gardens with still further variety and quality of song. This is why the first hearing of a chiff-chaff moves us so each spring. He is a symbol, a promise an assurance of what's to come. Owl, I've just seen the owl. I've just seen the owl, that's the owl. Oh my God, that's the barn owl. I saw it go behind the haystacks and it's flying up the side of the field. It's so big and so wide. It's, it's actually, it's, it's, not doing the very low quartering, it's actually just trying to get somewhere flappier flying along the hedges, can't believe it. It's going over some round hay bales. Where are you off to? There's another barn over there. Are you going in there? Yes, it's gone out of sight. I think it's gone. There's a Dutch barn, open-sided barn with a corrugated roof. I think maybe it's gone in there. I can't believe I saw it. What I'm always staggered by whenever I do manage to get up and listen to the dawn chorus is just how many layers of sound there are. And it's the same whether you live in a town or the countryside. There are so many more birds than you imagined. It's only when you hear them all singing at once that you realise it. There are birds close to you and birds a bit further away further again and further again and further again. You realise that the place where you live is populated by birds just as it's populated by humans. And that's a lovely thing to know and once you know it you can't unknow it. If you've never got up and heard them, I would urge you to do it this month, May. If you do decide, even if it's just standing on your front doorstep, for 10 minutes. When your alarm goes off, you won't want to get up. It'll be dark and you'll be really tired. And you'll think, I won't bother. But I promise you, if you do, 
it will lift your heart. And then you can go back to bed. That's allowed. We often put things into a category of pest or vermin and we do that in order to other something. When we take them out of the category of wildlife, we can behave violently towards them. But the animals that we put in those categories are usually ones that are very, very like us. I think in a lot of cases, the disgust that we feel towards certain animals is projected disgust. I think that really the disgust is with ourselves, but it's too painful to feel it. When you hear someone relating stories of animals like um, seagulls eating out of bins or um, urban pigeons eating vomit, who is it that's making that mess that they're living off? Who is it that's so numerous and so wasteful as to allow for this kind of behaviour? Isn't that an extraordinary noise? That's a male nightjar churring. He's making 28 to 42 notes per second. The sound is modulating as he turns his head and also as he breathes. They can breathe at the same time as they chur. Sounds tropical, doesn't it? Like a marsh fog or something. Males have white spots on their tails which they use for display. They have an extraordinary display flight which involves clapping their wings. And there's an old birder's tip. If you have a white hanky and you wave it in the air, a male nightjar will come and investigate in case it's another male. I have tried it. It didn't work. I'm standing in the middle of uh, quite a small meadow that hasn't yet been cut. And as well as that blackbird that's really annoyed by me, I'm hoping you can hear the differing sounds of grasshoppers all around me. The sound they make is called stridulation and they make it by rubbing their legs on their wing cases. It's mostly the males that do it. A few males can do it, but not really so as you'd notice. And they've got ears in their bums. They're very, very ancient beings. They've been around since the early Triassic period, which I'm sure you know is 250 million years ago. John Clare, the peasant poet, described their fretting song. And Alice Oswald, who to me is the most important living writer in these islands, wrote the rapid whisper of a grasshopper, scraping back and forth as if working at rust. 
Well, Scout and I have reached the tiny church on the promontory. We've been sitting here and listening to the lack of birds. A month ago, all of the hedges around us would have been alive with birdsong. But the breeding season is over and songbirds no longer use their voices to defend a territory, so they're saving their energy. They're also going into molt and they'll change their feathers for a new set. And that makes them vulnerable, so they tend to keep themselves unseen and unheard for a little while. And with the exception of robins, which sing all year round, and wrens, there won't be a lot of bird song. There'll be calls, but not a lot of bird song now until February, March. And that feels sad, but it's also just part of how the year works. It's what makes one season different to another, and there's great pleasure in that. And God, the joy when they start up again. There it is. <laughs> Big red combine in the field. <laughs> I found the harvest. <laughs> it's very strange that it should be so hard. It's often done at night when it's cooler. And I've had a couple of false starts where I've gone out from home with my recording equipment and haven't been able to find <laughs> which field's being done. The, the sound travels a long way. Or I've been on a walk and I've seen the machines that they've been parked and they've not been working. Okay, so there he is. He's a big, bright red combine. There's dust and chaff pouring out of the back of it, a huge cloud. It's an awe-inspiring sight, actually. Such a big machine. With the blades at the front whirring, eating up the wheat. I'm walking around the edge of the airfield on a, um, a tarmac road. Um, and it's overhung by oaks. And the ground under my feet is liberally carpeted with acorns and they're brown and ripe. Do you remember the feeling of acorns under your feet? The way that they roll and slip and slip out of their shells. These are sessile acorns from a sessile oak because they're held close to the stems, they're not on their own little danglers. The other type of pendunculate, um, and they do have little stems. And I always remember it because pendunculate sounds a bit like dangle. We were born in the cycle of days and seasons. We know sun up and sundown in our bones, we know the equinoxes. We were born into the smells of autumn and spring. 